Okay. I think it's funny that I'm like, oh, should we have like a little a pre-recording meeting and just kind of go over what we're talking about? You're like, no, let's just record. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't want the attention. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, dig into it. Let's do it. Welcome back to In Residence. I'm Keith. And I'm Laura. Hey, Laura. Hey, Keith. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Swell. What do you think we're going to talk about today? I wanted to talk about the idea of attention. And the reason why is it is your birthday week. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to talk about it. Spring that on me. So it's your birthday week. And one of the things that I always remember around this time of year is that when you were growing up, what you told me is that when everyone gathered around at your house and started singing happy birthday to you, you were inclined to crawl under the table and hide. <laughs> yeah. So that got me thinking about attention because when I was growing up, I was somewhat the opposite. There's videos of me growing up where I'm singing a song and, and saying, it's my sister's show and she's here to say hello and just kind of a performer. And then mm -hmm. it would focus in on her and then come right back to me. And then it was like a five minute out outro. Like a monologue. Like a monologue. So it was basically me, a monologue yeah. on these old videos. It got me thinking that you and I, not always, but often experience attention differently. And so I thought it might be interesting to talk about that. Okay, cool. I get to be awkward and shy on the podcast. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's dig in. What are you thinking? <laughs> so I think one thing I was thinking about when you're thinking about attention and the inclination to avoid it or to seek it, what does that look like for you today? Is it similar to growing up? Is it different? How has that evolved? Has it evolved? It's well, it's definitely shifted. I mean, I think younger you're you're always trying to maybe blend in and not stand out. I say you. I'm talking about me. Fall in. It's kind of conformity, I guess, a little bit or something, right? So that you feel like part of the group. Not sure of letting my personality shine through as much, maybe. Younger, it feels like there was more more of an emphasis, probably not intentionally, but it's just as how we are of wanting to fit in. Right. We don't want to be othered. As I've grown, you get I've gotten more comfortable letting my personality or my uniqueness kind of shine through. Uh but it's it's not a complete shift. It's it's still something that that I notice like, oh I'm hiding. <laughs> like, you know, or this week, I thought I was being open, but I was, I wasn't being as, as transparent as I thought I was inviting people to check out the podcast. You know, I was, I was right. kind of being in the shadows a little bit. Me saying there's a new podcast episode out, but not providing a link isn't generous, but that's, that's me saying here, I made this, but I don't want to bother you, you know? And I, I think I unintentionally left the link off. I didn't realize I didn't because there it was like a sentence of like, here's the link. 
And then I think I either forgot. So I don't know if subconsciously I didn't want to share it or, or what. I don't try to do that. I don't try to hide as much as I used to. Like literally hide under the table when I was a kid, right? Because right. it's just so almost too much to take, like that type of attention. I don't know. Not sharing the podcast link. When you're saying that, I haven't even shared the podcast beyond people that know both of us right? together. I will say in the last week, I shared with a good friend that I was doing a podcast and the response was, that is so cool. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> and I shared with someone at work, which terrified me afterwards. I pointed out that like you didn't tell him what it was called or anything <laughs> or didn't. where to find it though. So it didn't. I like calm down like you're you're probably still safe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think at the core of hesitating to share and at the core of not putting myself fully out there, my reluctance to do that isn't because I think we're doing anything that would draw negative attention. It kind of goes back to that being seen. I've been thinking a lot about that tension I have around wanting positive attention and knowing that I can't always control if it's going to be positive or negative, but I need to put myself out there. I've been reading a book or an article rather about the challenges of college presidents. And one of the things it says is that as you're moving forward into potentially aspiring to be in that position, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out for me, but as it says you're figuring it out, your social media presence, your brand is so critical to cultivate, to shape to be in congruence with who you are and what you believe in. And I wonder if some of my hesitation to put myself out there and seek attention like I did growing up, my hesitation is what if I put it out there and it draws negative attention in a way that would impact my livelihood right, and my goals? If I think about for me too, like why am I hiding? Why am I not wanting to be seen? I'm coming at it from what do I have to lose versus what do I have to gain? And I'm focused more on, on the discomfort of changing versus the comfort of what could be. I know we've talked about yeah. that a few times, but it, it kind of keeps coming up. It's, it's like I'm never going to solve that. It's that I'm going to get more and more comfortable. I'm going to be, become better at recognizing discomfort and realizing that it's it's okay and it's actually how you get growth right like like when you're doing your seedlings we set up the fan sometimes like if it's too cold oh. out and <laughs> you right. create wind right make them stronger make them you have to struggle a little bit to you got to want it kind of thing <laughs> <It's kinda laughs> a little bit but yeah i mean that's and the same like in the gym the, the only reason i'm going to make gains in the gym is if I have, if I stress my body appropriately to build the growth in the muscle and stuff. So, but in, in the moment when I'm saying no to an opportunity or attention, I, I don't, I'm getting better at recognizing I'm saying no, instead of it just being a knee jerk reaction to the attention of like, oh, this, this attention could change the status quo. And that's 
deep down that my initial response is don't change. I know what I have now. Let's not change it. At least I know what it is. It's the uncertainty and learning that the uncertainty, the possibility of being seen, of being out in the open, that can be a good thing. It, change can be a good thing, right? It, the growth, the exploration, the adventure right. that we talk about, that we say we want more of. You brought up being a brand, right? Right. Because that that's another thing that kind of sparks in my brain because I, I think about that too. Is like, that's how do you want to show up? How do people feel when they think about you? It's kind of what we talked about mm-hmm. last time with you sharing part of yourself when you're communicating with people. Right. You know, it's, you led into one of the questions I, I think that I had for you is how does attention feed into the creative process? And the reason I'm saying it fed into it, because one thing that I think about when it comes to the creative process is about authenticity with brand and Social media can be filled with people seeking attention in a way that doesn't align with who they are, um, what they value, and it's more uh, like click clickbait, things like that. I think one of my biggest fears in the creative process is that I come across as disingenuous. I come across as inauthentic. You think you do? No, that's one of my could? that's oh. one of my fears. Oh, okay. Well, then you need to be able to be reflective enough to see how you're showing up, right? Because so you, 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 in that example, you said people show up differently, like clickbaity. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that's different because they chose to hit send on that, that video, let's say. And so when they're, when they're showing up in a way that looks like they're selling something, and trying to extract money versus provide value, that's showing me what they value. Yeah. I, I've, I, I'm sensing more of an uncertainty with you of how do I make sure that I'm coming across the way I want to, which you can't control how other people interpret you. You can only true. show up the best you can. If it's not for them, it's not for them. And so it's kind of like not taking it so personally, maybe. But like for you, I'm not. Like me looking at you, I wouldn't worry about not showing up with all the values that you hold and being misinterpreted. But that's me saying that. Like, that doesn't mean you don't feel that way of like, oh, I hope I'm not misunderstood, you know? Yeah. Because that's really what you're saying is you don't want to be misunderstood. Right. I think you're right that you can't necessarily control that of how other people see you as long as you show up genuinely in the way that you intend. You do the best you can. Everybody has a different antenna, right? And different frequencies and people tune into different things. It's, I guess it's the, say we have a goal or, or something we want to share, right? And we want it to be a huge success. There's this, always this underlying thing of, I need to change the world. I, I need to be a huge success. And it's, it's probably not going to be for everybody and being okay with that. Even just doing the math of like 1% of, if 1% of 10% of the population enjoyed something that we did enough to see the value of trading their money for what we have to offer, right? we'd be completely fine. Right. Better than fine. Having the perspective, you know, being able to shift your perspective to see 
Cause it's kind of like, Oh, I'm not failing. If everybody doesn't like it, it's like, that's a way to stop yourself. Like, well, if I can't fix everything for everybody, then I might as well not try. Like that's what comes <laughs> up in my head. Yeah. It's almost a perfection theme yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's probably part of the reason why, like I would, I would like mute myself or, or hide away too. It's like, well, if I can't do it right, that's not quite the same as like getting sung happy birthday. But the attention, there's a similarity there where if I can't do it right, I'm going to not get the attention I want. I'm going to, it's going to get pointed out that it's not good enough. Mm. We don't need to go there. I think you're bringing up an interesting concept. I remember when child one and child two were small, they needed attention. (laughs) They needed our attention. And rightly so, we were responsible for keeping them alive and fed and taken care of. At the same time, I know both of us noticed, and I think most parents probably have noticed, that sometimes when your kiddos are seeking your attention, at first they're looking for just your attention, and then even negative attention is attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they start doing something kind of naughty, right? Yeah. I don't know exactly where I'm going with that. You were kind of talking about you can fear that attention might be more negative than you're hoping. That feels like a reason for you to not put stuff out is because if you're misunderstood, you're going to get negative attention. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't want negative attention. Yeah. Because then you'd be wrong. Right. You'd be bad. And negative attention, as you grow up, you learn negative attention is bad attention. I'm taking us a slightly different way that I hadn't thought of. That's why I asked you, what do you think we're going to talk about? (laughs) Well, this week, about a week ago exactly, I learned that I was going to be on an interview on the radio. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. It was on a topic I was fairly familiar with. I didn't necessarily want to do it. I was the best person probably at that time to do it. So I ended up doing it. That's life. (laughs) (laughs) That's life, right? I always say, pull up my my big girl pants and let's go. But at the end of it, I remember texting you and I said, how was it? And you said, it's great. It was great. Yeah. And when I got home that night, I said, okay, so really, how was it? (laughs) Yeah. And what did you say? I gave you candid feedback because I knew it had already happened and I'm not going to text you what I was going to tell you in person. Right. I said, you said, um, about 25 times, (laughs) but other than that, you spoke well, you spoke to the questions they were asking. You were very informative. You're very conversational. It's just, that's something that we're aware of. I'm really aware of because I edit the podcast and believe it or not, we say, um, and like a lot more than you're all going to hear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I generously cut out a lot of the plosives, the the tuts, the ums, the likes, because it's not going to serve anybody that's listening to listen to that. So back to that conversation, I'm like, are you ready? Do you actually want me <laughs> to answer that question? Or do you are you looking for affirmation? And you said, I honestly want to know how I did. And I'm like, you, you, there was a lot of ums. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you did a bad job. It just means that we're seeking to improve that. And I could tell you didn't want to hear that too. I didn't really want to hear it, <laughs> but 
I know that I'm not going to get better at doing things if I minimize the potential negative feedback or constructive feedback. It wasn't negative. It was constructive. It was honest. You delivered it in a kind way. I sought out and requested kind of that negative attention, so to speak, Mm. from you. Well, see, maybe it's not attention, though. But I'm I'm attention and feedback. Are they the same? Mm, no, I'm sure there's a nuance there. There's a definitely, you know, they're definitely different. You were seeking feedback. Correct. And I am a, a safe place to receive that from because there's a trust between us, right? Correct. So that's, I don't think you were seeking negative attention. You knew, I think, deep down somewhere, if you weren't aware of it, that I will probably tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. And I'm not saying it to be negative or mean. You have my best interest in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Attention and feedback, I think, are different. There's lots of different forms of attention, and maybe feedback is one of those. Yeah. You got to be real careful which feedback you listen to. I think at the core, something that you need around feedback is you need trust. Because then you're not just seeking feedback from the critic that always praises you. Mm -hmm. That can't possibly be true is 100% praise. On the flip side, the critic that destroys you, although there could be some constructive things in there, if somebody is only annihilating you over and over, that's not going to be very productive. Yeah, there can be truth in it, but there can be no empathy and no compassion. Yeah. And I'm too fragile for that. (laughs) (laughs) And you shouldn't have to withstand that sort of constant tough criticism. Giving feedback is a skill and you need to understand where it's coming from and choose wisely who you're allowing to give it to you and choose whether or not you're capable of receiving it. You know, you need to be kind of aware of your state so that you can take it in. Like, like when I asked you, I'm like, are you looking for affirmation or (laughs) are you looking for something that you might not want to hear? I think that's good. I will admit the next morning, I still sat out the recording to hear for myself, Mm -hmm. but I was dialed in to what it was you shared. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I remember, I think I texted you something just really being hard on myself. I don't remember exactly, but it was basically something like you were right. I said, um, way too many times. And I probably said, we noticed it. You're aware of it let's just work on it. I mean, the great thing, because of the podcast, I do have a natural uh, sandbox to work through some of the tendencies to try and cut those out. And then you can be my feedback loop as you're editing. And I can listen to the recording myself. I need to be mindful of how I can be particular also and nitpicky in some ways. All the character doesn't need to be stripped out it doesn't need to be robotic. And so there's a balance there. Even listening to other interviews on the radio since, even even the, the professional people hosting the shows say, um. Right. It's not the end of the world. That, that kind of stuff. The other thing I wanted to talk about, thinking about the idea of making something, creating something that is worth attention We talk about that quite a bit, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about how do you gauge what's worthy of attention. 
Mm. The market decides. That's the tricky part. And so you need to have empathy for who you're seeking to serve okay. so that you can provide something for them that you believe they would value. But in the end, you need to ship it. And the people that interact with whatever it is that you're putting out in the world, they're going to decide whether or not they're going to talk about it and spread it. So how much then do you cater to that? I, I, I think the thing I'm struggling with right now is to create something that's worthy of getting attention. Can you create something that is genuinely you and generous and hope that you have a hundred true fans? Or hmm. do you have to cater to the audience you believe you would want to have? This is so much fun. So this is this is <laughs> getting into some Seth stuff. The shorter answer is you're not entitled to show up and be authentically you and have people pay you and give you attention. If you want to be uniquely you and have people pay attention, there has to be compromise because being completely you, that's authentic, that's not generous. <laughs> So you're saying I can't set up a webcam and just puzzle all day in my yoga pants and expect people to... You can, but you can't <laughs> expect people to pay you to do that, let's say. Because I'm not creating value. Potentially. And I'm not articulating this no, perfectly I, I well. It's great. I was, so what I was saying is there's compromises to be made. And that sounds really like a huge blow. Because you, like, why would you want to compromise who you are? You want to be... I want to be happy with doing what I'm doing. I want to, I want to put the best thing out. But if you're shipping something out into the world, like you're not the one that gets to decide whether it's successful. Shipping it is the success. Now, is it going to have traction? Is it going to be something that spreads? That's up to the other people. And so your, your role is how do I create something the best that I can that I think is going to serve this group of people and it's going to be so amazing that they can't help but tell another person and another person. That could happen with a viral hit, but really what more, again, recently, it's like looking for the long tail, the patience of getting there slowly. You're going to get the same result. It's just going to be over time. I think there's also something about the difference between showing up as a professional and showing up as an amateur which those are, that's a loaded term too. But what that really means is like amateurs do it for the love of the game. If I was an amateur hockey player, I'm not getting paid. I'm there because I love playing the game. Right. Whereas a professional, you're showing up because you said you would and you're getting paid to do it. There's a lot there. I'm talking too much. No, it's, it's making me think of, and this may not be something, but growing up, I really liked watching MTV. Yeah, who didn't? <laughs> if you had cable. You had cable. I always right? had to go to a friend's house. I really loved watching The Real World. Did you watch The Real World? I've, yeah, I saw it. The first season in New York was a whole bunch of strangers in this beautiful house that no one could possibly think to that they could afford. Yeah, even with all those people paying rent even if, without, if they were, right? right? <laughs> yeah, but just kind of doing their own thing in New York. But I think at the very beginning, it was a really unique concept, but it was kind of boring watching people just live their own lives in the main commonality was they had this really amazing flat mm -hmm. or like in LA watching John sit and just drink Kool-Aid on the couch. Okay. 
Okay. You probably don't remember. No, I didn't watch it that much. You didn't watch it. Okay. So I think what I'm trying to say, there has to be this, even if you have a good idea or concept that is unique and creative and different than anyone's ever seen before, if you don't attend to cultivating it in some way that draws the attention of an audience to sustain season to season to season, you have to put some attention into creating a product that people will continue to want to engage with. Yeah. Okay. Because like the New York season, I'm going back to this, the New York season, it was new and it was fresh. And eventually that newness wears off. Yeah. If there's not something else to, that keeps getting better and better and more coordinated, perhaps. Okay. So this is storytelling and you're talking about coming up with something new and original. That's not really going to happen. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to come up with an, a completely original idea, right? There, mm. there hasn't been a completely original idea in a really long time. We're all stealing from each other and, and putting our own spin and putting our own voice and, and reinterpreting, making a mixed tape, right? Or, or taking our, our things that we're pulling in and kind of mixing it around and putting our own voice on it. But don't you think that's the unique version of it then? That's unique, not original. I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to talk to you about. The, the story part of it is like, why does Seth Godin resonate with me so much versus another author that talks about similar things, but uses different words? I don't think the point is to be original. I think the point is how do you effectively communicate to people how their life could be different or how you could solve a problem for them. And that's storytelling. That's what marketing really is is what is the story that somebody is getting from the asset that I've built that will solve a problem for them. If it resonates with them, they will happily trade their money for what I'm offering. And so like we talked about branding, we're going to riff on this for a little bit. Okay. Uh, Seth talks about this. Think of a famous computer company. Apple. Do I need to name it? Yep. Okay. Yep. If they opened a hotel, what would you expect it to be? I would expect it to be high tech, seamless between all the experiences from check-in to in the room to if they had like a restaurant, all of that would be seamless. I would say everything might be linked to your phone. There would be ease of use, simplicity, and um, high tech. So now think about us going to Chicago for a long weekend. Mm -hmm. If we're looking for a hotel, what do we look at first? Do we sort by brand name of a hotel or by price? Mm, normally price. If we go to Best Western, La Quinta, Holiday Inn, mm -hmm. it's just a room. Mm. We're going to go with the cheaper option. What we're attempting to do in our work, something more than that. And that is the story that people think of when we're offering them something. Mm. Apple has a brand mm -hmm. and you know what you're paying for. There's probably a video of Seth talking about it so much more <laughs> eloquently than me. <laughs> Let's maybe retract and recap. You're talking about originality and uniqueness. I hear what you're saying. The thing that I was thinking about when it comes to original versus uniqueness, I wasn't thinking so much that original was like the OG first thing 
no one can ever recreate the exact thing. Now I, I understand a little more about what you're talking about. So, well, the thing that I was trying to say, and I don't know, maybe uniqueness does capture it. I was thinking about even just a musical piece. If I play, it's going to be different than if you play it. It's going to be different than when the composer wrote it, than if my mom or my sister plays it. I I guess now I understand what you're saying about original. Like, I didn't write the original piece, but the way I'm playing it is uniquely me. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because a computer can play it exactly as written on the page. But that's not musical. Correct. So there you go. Your intention is to be musical. That's part of your brand, right? Right. I guess computers with AI eventually, it probably will get more and more sophisticated. Oh, it already is. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's one of those, I do a lot of listening to things in the car, Uh, music, podcasts, all the things. When Hamilton first came out, my point of reference for the music was the original cast uh, soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to it like 900 times at work. Yeah, we listened to it a lot and a lot and a lot. And when we finally got to go and see it in person in Chicago, it was good, but it wasn't the same. And there were times I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like that as much. <laughs> or, oh, that was way better. I like <laughs> what they did there. So I think that's maybe where the unique comes in rather than the original. Kind of bringing this back to where we started, if something is unique, it can catch your attention. It might not catch your attention. It's more likely to, right? Right. Like a purple cow. Like a purple cow. That would definitely catch my attention. So how do you make things unique when all the originals have already been made? I mean, that's the real work. That's where the the skills of empathy noticing things awareness this is where the work really starts who are you seeking to serve and what is the smallest audience inside of the masses if you drill down to it where change is desired and then the hard work of how do i communicate why what i'm saying and what I'm offering will solve the problem that you're having. And then the story of like, how much does it cost comes in too. I mean, that's part of the story. Some people don't want to pay a lot to solve their problems. Some people want to do it themselves. Right. Uh, what did we see the other night? Uh, uh, Paul Shears, his live, he was talking about the $32,000, like Darth Vader spinning chair in like 1982. <laughs> $32,000. For a, for a chair, right? In 1982, I think they did the math. They're like, that's like a hundred and some thousand dollars in like today's dollars, right? The person that bought that, right? There's probably a few people that bought that. Part of the story of that is that they spent that much money on something like that. You need to think of like, who, who are the people? Who's the audience? Who am I seeking mm-hmm. to serve? All these different variables come into play. I'm still stuck on the idea of original that all the originals have already been made. Do you think they have? Well, so no, but it's the same as like, am I going to build the next Google? Oh, no, no, no. There's already a Google. Right. And so it's kind of a waste of my time and energy trying to be the next Google or the next Facebook. 
being original sounds pretty great, but using your unique voice and, and what makes you especially you is a better use of your time. I, th- I think I think focused on creating something original it would, is probably a really good place to hide because there's a lot of stuff out there and we have access to almost anything that we could ever imagine. What are we actually talking about here? We're talking about the difference between unique and original. And I feel like I don't quite think of it like that. Like, yes, I want to be unique. And I understand the appeal of original because I think there's been an emphasis on that for a lot of our lives, right? Like, ooh, you know, what's the new? What's the latest? You know, new isn't really new. It's just like, it's just been enough time since people forgot about the original version and now somebody found it and now they're playing it, you know? So the one thing maybe that I could offer, even though we're trying to kind of work through what is original and what is uniquely you and what are the differences, regardless, we're creating something, whether it's original or unique. And the goal many times is to seek attention or to get the attention. Earn attention. Earn attention. Do you think there's ever a case where the creative process is intended to not do that? Does that make sense? I think that's a hobby. Oh, yeah. There's hobbies. I didn't even think about there's that. There's vocations. There's avocations. We're going to have to maybe get you into purple space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you ha- you got me thinking. Interesting, okay. So I don't quite think of it in that way i really like the metaphor of this bus is going to nashville if you want to go on this ride with us come and get on the bus but if you don't want to go to nashville don't get on this bus and ask why are we going to nashville (laughs) if it's for you great come along for the ride sure if it's not that's okay you can get a different bus right and so that's what i'm seeking to do with our creative work that we're doing with this podcast and what we're thinking about and how, how else can we, we put work out and how can we develop assets that are going to serve people and help them make the change. The metaphor, the bus is the change Mm -hmm. that people are seeking. Come along. We're going to help you get to where you want to go. That's where I am focusing my energy and my attention versus how original can I make the bus look or how unique. Like I, I'm leaning into being me and putting my, my taste and knowing what my taste is so that other people that it's going to resonate with understand that. But the bus has already been invented. There's vehicles that have already been invented. Why would I spend time creating my own Model T? I don't need to do that. It's already been done. The internet's built. I can use it. I don't need to create my own intranet. <laughs> so part of me is, is realizing like, I've thought of through a lot of this stuff. Like, I just want you to, to feel like, yeah, bring up these questions and like, let's talk through it. And cause I'm not trying to be dismissive. It's just like, to me, it feels so weird that it almost feels like you're hung up on being original and unique. And I'm like, no, be unique. You are you. But also we can, if we're being going to be unique and be us, there nowhere says that that means that everybody has to like what we're doing. And that's where that compromise comes in of, I want to be me, but I also want to be successful. So. There has to be some trade-offs because if I want to be successful, I need to have enough empathy to know where these people want to be going. And I'm going to lead by saying, 
I rented a bus. If you all want to go where we're going, you come and get on. And I'm going to help you get to where you want to go using my compass. Yeah. The thing that I'm thinking about, isn't that I think you have to be, you have to seek to be original and unique. I think it naturally happens because you're engaging and creating something with your own self and background. Mm -hmm. If you and I were to sit down and do a craft project, your craft project and my project would be different. Unless we both copy a tutorial, right? Right. And had the exact things and cut out the exact way. And we're not interested in that, right? We're not. And so I think when you're thinking about uniqueness and original, that's the only lens I'm coming from. I think I, I know what you're saying and I like it. Where I'm at is if we're going to Nashville, the people who want to go to Nashville are on the bus. The act or the art of me being the bus driver going to Nashville is going to feel different than if you were the bus driver going to Nashville, Absolutely. even if it was the same bus. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that's, is, that's, that's like a non-starter for me. Like that's something that that's, and that's my point. That's why it's storytelling. Whoever's telling the story is going to paint a different picture. And that's why, you know, there's so many different types of books because like the hero's tale, right? It's the same. Like there's, there's only like four or five different types of stories they say, right? But books keep getting made because there's different authors. There's different ways of combining all, all these words. And there's not even that many different words. The, the magic is there are unique people that have different ways of combining those things. That's the art and that's the magic. That's the creative. For me, it goes without saying, yes, I want, I want my, my uniqueness to shine through and be seen, even though I am shy, I'm leaning into, I guess I need to be more visible if I want to make a change. There's only one unique you, you know, there's only one unique Laura. That's what's going to make whatever you do special. To me, that's, that's like a, a prerequisite that I just kind of forget about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do we need to talk about, um, like just have a, a little session here where we're talking about like, what's your aim? Do you know what you're trying to build? Do you know where you want to put your energy and your attention, your energy and your attention? What do what are you seeking to build? That was an interesting question. What my aim is, if I know where I'm going. And maybe that is partially why I'm uncomfortable thinking about our project generating attention. Is because I don't necessarily know. I know that I really like our conversations. Mm -hmm. I look forward to when we get to sit down and talk about what we're thinking about. I like to hear that us putting ourselves out there is, uh, if not helpful, people are enjoying hearing from us and how we interact with each other, which is, is nice. But I think other than having conversations with each other maybe not wanting the attention is because i'm not sure if that's enough enough to simply want to dig into topics together that we find interesting that maybe that isn't worthy of attention does that make sense yeah we talk about things that are interesting to us right but we also take the time to think about 
it's interesting to us because it's helping us move forward for the yeah. most part. We're seeking to change ourselves. There are people trying to do the same thing. And so if we're talking about it, maybe other people are, or maybe they don't have someone else to talk to it about. Come join us as we have a conversation. Yeah. And you can be part of it. The fact that we enjoy it, I don't think should detract or maybe distract you from the fact that the things we talk about are helpful to other people. We got good feedback on the decluttering stuff, which is nice, but I want to keep going even if we didn't get feedback, right? But that's hard to do because we yeah. want attention, right? <laughs> but why? Do we? I want to make change. Do you need attention to make change? To make a change on the scale that I want to, I need to earn attention. Attention is what is going to make the change scale and ripple and create more change. So like us talking about attention and feedback, it, these things that will help us make a difference to move forward and make a change, right? These like getting feedback that, oh, I enjoyed that podcast. That's going to make it easier for us to show up again, right? Right. But that's not the reason I want to show up. And I appreciate it. I love the feedback, right? I crave it. I'm a human being. I love being told that something I put out in the world made some kind of an impact on somebody, even if it was just a thumbs up emoji. Like, heard the new episode, thumbs up, right? What I'm focusing on, though, is the change is why I'm showing up. The process of getting better, growing, and, and while I'm doing that, it's us sharing our processing. My hope is that it's helping other people work through their process and create their own change, right? That's us leading, right? Here, this is what we're doing. If it resonates with you, we hope it helps you along your way, right? We talked a little bit about originality, right? And being unique. In our early years, you can look back and you can kind of see that there's a map put out for us to follow, follow this path, you know, go to school, go to a little more school, get a good job, follow these steps. The realization of following a map is only going to get me to where, well, it was supposed to get me to where I wanted to go. The world's shifted and changed under our feet, right? Right. Especially people, our generation, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it always is, right? I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss all the changes that came before and have come since. My point is the map isn't really serving. We're going to make our own path. And to do that, we need to follow our compass. I choose to do things because I'm following my compass, my guiding light, if you will, right? I want to help make things better. That's like my guiding principle. How do I make change happen? Well, if I'm going to make it for other people, I got to start with me. Instead of waiting and following a map, I'm going to lead, I'm going to explore, and I'm going to get stronger and be better at being uncomfortable by leaning into it. And the podcast is a way for us to show that leadership of like, here, I made this. So that's what I'm thinking about. I like that. As you're talking about a map, it reminded me of an experience you and I had together. When we got married, we got a set of Packer tickets for a wedding present. We went to Lambeau Field, took the bus down there, missed the ride back. I don't know what we were doing, but we were not 
This yeah. was pre us having smartphones too, wasn't it? Yep, this was before smartphones. Before we had smartphones. Before we did, yeah. Little flip phones. Yep. Right? Not you can't really look anything up on a map. But I remember you had enough of a compass internally where you knew we had to go straight and to the left. It was probably maybe four miles back to our hotel. It was pretty far. Pretty far. In the snow. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. I mean, it was it was September, wasn't it? No, no. No, 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 no. It was Was it, it snow? It was snowy, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. We were in boots I don't remember. and full winter gear. Okay. That makes it even further because we're carrying <laughs> gear. Like Right. But I remember we At least we weren't going uphill. <laughs> that's true. It was very flat. But we got to a certain place. We got about halfway and we weren't quite sure we were on the right track. And I remember we pulled over and walked into small little gas station. We didn't pull over. No, we we stopped walking and went to the gas station we happened upon. And we didn't have a lot of extra money or we didn't think it would be worth it to actually buy the map. But back then you could go and you could look at the map and be like, where are we at now? Where do we need to go? And you're like, I got this. And we made our way back to our hotel. We were cold. We were tired. But we made it. You're talking about the importance of trusting your own compass and not having to have the map the whole way. We stopped a little bit just to make sure and reassure ourselves, are we on the right track? And just a little coaching guidance. But we got there. Yeah, I think we warmed up in the gas station probably. and probably got a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, I probably got cocoa. I don't think I drank something coffee cheap. back then. I don't think you did. Looking for guideposts. And there, there we literally, there was a map and we needed a map because we needed a reassurance because it was a long walk. It was our own personal Lord of the Rings <laughs> <laughs> in the frozen tundra. Yes. <laughs> Trusting your process, your compass moving forward. The idea as you were talking, I think I'm realizing that thinking about seeking attention I feel as being dirty and not helpful. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thing to come up for me. As I mentioned right away at the front end of the pod, when I was growing up, I was a show, you know, a show person. I'm like, ooh, let's do a whole dance. And, but I learned throughout time to share the stage and that trying to get so much attention wasn't generous, that it could be annoying. It could, be too much, quote unquote. Yeah. So when you were talking about kind of your aim of wanting to produce something that helps people, the idea of we're working through things that help us too, that really neutralized that idea that we're creating something for the purpose of seeking attention. I think we're creating something at its core to help people and to help us work through things that we struggle with. And if it catches people's attention and is useful to them, that's great. And if it's not, that's okay too. Unless we want it to be more successful, quote unquote, it doesn't have to be different. The attention seeking, that has negative connotations to me also. And like, I'm kind of a stickler for like finding the right word to use, right? Like when, like when I'm editing. Mm-hmm and stuff i'm like oh maybe this word or that and you're like why does it matter sometimes and i'm like because it matters i really like <laughs> instead of attention seeking it's earning attention that really helps clear that disparity up for me 
So how do I earn someone's attention? It's through generosity. It's through providing value to them. Well, what's valuable to people? How do they learn something that's going to help them solve a problem? Whether or not something we talk about helps somebody doesn't matter unless that's success to us. If it's if this is more of a hobby where you and I get to talk, it's a success already because we get to spend time together. Right. But as we're looking to see how can we make more of an impact, we are going to have to start thinking or continue to think because we, we are seeking to make an impact. We're not trying to show up just for us. We realize by us showing up for each other and for ourselves, this can have some value to other people who are seeking to change in their own ways also. And so the way for us to become more successful at that is to continue to improve and get better, how to tell a better story or how to talk about things that are going to help people in our audience grow and learn. And if we make something that helps somebody else explain something to somebody, they're going to send it to somebody and be like, they said this at this minute, this is how I feel, or this is what mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the words for this before. I mean, that's why I love books so much because it's like, oh, I... I just read this in a book. Like you and I, we send we send each other quotes and citations all the time because it's yeah. like, oh, this is this, this person is saying this how I said it, you know. And so, that's that's a generous act of one whoever whoever did the work to write something or say something, mm -hmm. and then it's a generous act of us receiving it as a person and then sharing it to make a connection with more people, you know. And so then it spreads and it spreads, but it, it's not up to us whether it's good enough to spread that we have to make an approximation of what we think is good enough. And then you send it out into the world and then the world gets to decide. Yeah. We've talked about how to get attention or earn attention. Sorry, earn attention. What sort of things earn your attention and why? It's actually something I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful of. Say you're scrolling on Instagram or YouTube, right? Like there's a reason that all these people talk about, you know, you need to have the right thumbnail. You need to have the right title because those things will grab my attention, but it, it's not going to hold my attention unless I can sense a rapport with whoever's in the video. So if they're boisterous and it feels like they're seeking to take my attention, it doesn't feel generous. I, I get turned off and I'm like, nope, this isn't for me. Or like the other, the other day when I was I went deep dive into a bookkeeping videos just to kind of get a good idea of how can I <laughs> keep track of my books, right? Yeah. It's tax season. I clicked on one where I'm like, okay, this seems like it's going to help me. And the audio was horrible. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going to listen to this. There's a billion videos for me to figure out how to set up a spreadsheet. I'm not going to listen to one with bad audio. So it's, it's something as simple as that, right? And I mean, that's how, that's how people judge a product like a video, right? If it's bad audio, why would somebody, you know, unless they're your mother, why would they sit and listen through that? It's a, it's a really good reason for them to turn it off. Right. So things like that, like, well, how about, how about you? I'll, I'll try to think of some more. I think one thing that earns my attention is when somebody takes the time to take a concept and break it down in a way that is simple. The other things that resonate, there are some really fun Instagram stories, Real. reels, reels, there's stories too. Okay. Lots of different videos that are posted on Instagram around being a Wisconsinite. I think they're funny, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or uh, the Manitowoc Minute, 
hilarious, but it's also that catches my attention. It might not catch others, but it's because it's relatable to you. It's relatable. That's the word relatable. Another one, there's uh, this couple that we've been watching a lot of videos from and they're funny because it don't say we. Well, okay, I you, do. I send you, you lots. You send of me them. all the links. Like every Saturday morning, <laughs> I, I got thirty links. You sleep in. I want to <laughs> start your day with some sunshine. <laughs> it's common situations that you and I experience. Is a married couple, right? Is a married couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can relate to that. The relatableness mm-hmm. also catches my attention. Yeah. Or earns my attention. And so, so the so the next. Yep, that's okay. <laughs> so the next step there is to think about who am I seeking to relate with and get specific. Getting specific is one of the hardest things to do, I think. Okay, what's the change I'm seeking to make? Who am I seeking to serve? If you have to start with, well, what relates to me? I mean, that's kind of where we started, right? Is Mm -hmm. we're relating with each other and we're talking about things that are interesting to us. And we're like, well, there's other people that can relate to this share it and hopefully it resonates with them you kind of have to get in this loop of doing the work shipping the work seeing how it it lands with people reflecting on it making any changes and then just starting that cycle over again right i guess i want to know are you thinking about any specific work or building any specific assets because it's been a while since we've talked about any of your project or I don't know if you've had a whole lot of time to even think about it or if you want to go there even, but no, I, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it back to the the idea where I've been thinking, well, if I take a vacation day or a couple in a row that aren't dedicated to do, do things that are specifically drawn out where I could just be at home and do things that I want to do, that's when I should focus my energy on that. The reason why I'm hesitating a little bit is I've been listening to Mel Robbins and things like that, where she would push and say, don't wait until the perfect day. Don't wait until you have a vacation. I'm trying to not do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) You should just make progress in the time that you have. Incremental steps, right? Yep. Small things. It's a good reminder. And so, although I haven't made a lot of progress, I will say, I mean, I wrote a blog post. You helped me edit and we yeah. got it up. Yeah. So that that was good. That was a win. I have another one I have to edit. So I, I small wins and not being hard on myself for not giving a hundred percent every single day in every single moment I have free just to that, I think is important because then I could really slow myself down because I'll get stuck in that perfection. And well, you didn't do a hundred percent. So your forty percent or your fifteen minutes, it's no good here. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I almost said stuck, but I don't feel like I'm stuck. I just feel like I'm hmm. working within my circumstances. I don't think you're stuck. I think you feel a little stuck because you're not making the progress that you desire. Mm. Right. So that mental script is, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not spending enough time doing that, right? That little kind of cycle that we get in sometimes. Yeah. If you think about it more of like you doing your run today. Right. You didn't go run a 5K Mm -mm. because every day isn't a day to do a 5K. Right. This is not healthy to go all out all the time. (laughs) 
Right. All these little short runs, the incremental change that Mel Robbins is trying to tell you about. Yeah. And looking at each day as a new opportunity each week, just because it didn't happen this weekend, doesn't mean it can't happen on a Monday. It doesn't always have to be put on hold for the perfect opportunity. I think that's good because so often in my life, I've had things I've wanted to do, but I've told myself, you know what? I'll start that on the first of a month. (laughs) I haven't done it for six weeks, so I now have to redo everything before I start it again. That's not helpful. If I feel compelled to start or to do a portion of it, I should simply just do that. Now Now we're back into just start, keep momentum. Is having starts and stops doesn't have to be a, a bad thing. You can build it into your process. You can build it into your system, the slack in the system, right? So that you don't burn out. Right. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. We talked a little bit about resolutions. Do we set them? Do we not? And we talked about quit your resolution day. And we agreed this year, instead of doing resolutions, so to speak, that one thing we would do is pick a word and use that kind of as our focus word for the year. So I wanted to check in because we're past the quitters day. We're into the month of February. What was your word and how's it going? My word was intent. It's it's going pretty good. So intent for me is more about action and moving toward what I'm aiming at. What's the goal? And I'm not quite sure what the goal is in work quite yet. And I'm okay with that. But when it comes to like my health and wellness, the goal is to hit some marks. And and for me, it's to lose some weight and to get stronger. And that's going really well. I had a bit of a breakthrough about halfway through the month. Actually, like Right after Quitter's Day or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> you double down. Yeah. So that's going really well. And doing my morning pages has been something else I said I wanted. Like That was like my resolution was to keep doing that. And I have. going to keep moving forward. And uh, oh, quick shout out to, to our friend Carolina. Uh, oh, you haven't met yet, but someday <laughs> you'll have to meet her. She's great. Sounds good. She gave us a recommendation of this athletic brewing company, non-alcoholic beer, right? So good. They're so good because we've been doing dry January and it's turned into dry February for me now too, I think. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) See what happens. But uh, My intent is to be consistent and persistent because I brought that with me from last year. And I'm enjoying having a couple near beers here and there and feeling good. Yeah, the intent is going forward still. How about you? What was your word? My word was strength. Things are going pretty pretty well. COVID threw me a little bit for a loop there because the things I wanted to do weren't as easy or I didn't have the energy to do them. I'm continuing to show up. As you mentioned, I did a run today. So that was good. And I've started doing yoga. So that's been fairly consistent in my morning routine. So that feels really great. And I've been trying to find other ways to de-stress other than late night snacking or a glass of wine. I've been trying to just build that physical and mental strength around things that I'm doing. And so getting good rest as well as finding ways to de-stress and take time for me 
And so that's what I've been playing with the last couple weekends. I also got off of Etsy a bracelet to remind me of my word. I thought it was kind of cool. It's a very simple bracelet, but it's strength spelled out in Morse code. It's pretty beautiful. It's just string and like seed beads, but I know what it means. Other people don't really know what it means when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anything like that. I can play with it and remember that that I do have strength, that this too is okay, and I have everything that I need to make a difference and keep moving forward. So I found that physical reminder helpful for me as well. Yeah. Well, if anybody else wants to reach out and share what they're doing to make a difference for themselves or to keep going in the new year, let us know. It'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, that would. All right. Should we get out of here? I think so. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, hon. We're taking a break right now, but I just want to tell you that I love you. And you'll get to hear this when you're editing. Thanks for doing everything you do.